The MLS playoffs are down to four teams, and one looks like they already have their foot in the door. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is Ivis Golarsep. What's up, buddy? What's going on, Garrett? It's been a long time, and finally we're back. I know. We have a show. You know, I felt like our show was going to be on permanent you know, hiatus, but uh, it's, it's good to be back, Ivis. I was giving up. I got. I will admit, I, I was ready to. I was ready to pack it up. Well, you know, it's 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 difficult for us, Ivis, on two opposite ends of the country, and you know, with our busy travel schedules. I mean, you were traveling again this week, so you know, sometimes it's difficult for us. And for everyone listening, uh, we appreciate your patience, while Ivis and I try to lock down a time. But we're back today, Ivis. Uh, I mean, you know, like I said, I mean, you're on the road a lot, so sometimes it's, it's difficult. Yeah, no, we, it's a. Uh, it's been a crazy two weeks uh, for sure, um, but you know, we're back and. The, if any, if there's anything good about the fact that we've had a week off from a show, is that we we have plenty to talk about. Yes, there is plenty to talk about. Of course, uh, we're going to talk about the Cosmos. You were down in Atlanta, so we'll get a first-hand account on that. We're going to talk about the Americans abroad. Lots of stuff happened on that. International games are coming up later this week. But of course, Ivis, we need to talk MLS playoffs Sunday night. Real Salt Lake, Portland, Real Salt Lake. All over Portland's game. They go down early. Will Johnson with a big goal, but RSL responds really well, attacks the Portland goal, comes out with a big game. And Ivis, for Real Salt Lake, they're getting a lot of big performances from guys who are stepping up and providing some big-time minutes for Real Salt Lake. Guys like Chris Schuler, Sebastian Velezquez, and for Real Salt Lake, I mean, they're rolling right now, Ivis. Uh, it's definitely been a good week for them, without a doubt. You know, when you, when you talk about that, that win against LA, that was really kind of the hurdle they needed to get over finally have that big win at home in in a in a decisive match after so many uh failed attempts through the years so i think that they definitely gave them confidence uh coming into this first leg against portland and you know they they matched up really well with portland and and they really uh found the weakness uh, found a few weaknesses in, in the timbers normally stingy uh defense mm-hmm. and they took it to them uh having said that though i got to say that last second goal could still loom pretty large mm-hmm. because I, while I know RSL hasn't lost to Portland this year or ever, uh, Portland's been really tough at home, and it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a great scene at Joe Duane in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's going to be difficult for Real Salt Lake. It, it's you know you, you alluded to that before Portland Sinji defense. I think the biggest thing for me in this game was the fact that Real Salt Lake won all the one v one 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 v one battles. I mean, Chris Schuler getting the header, Robbie Finley gambling correctly, and Breeding Footy Danzo, who did not have the best game. Uh, then Devin Sandoval getting that goal at the end. I mean, RSL, man, they, they were just impressive, winning the one-on-ones. I mean, and for also Javier Morales-Ivis. I mean, you talk about a game. I mean, what a performance by him. No, he's, he he was the star of the show, without a doubt. Uh, but it, it wasn't just him, though. It was really Salt Lake's uh, midfield was really the key to the win. Uh, they outplayed uh, a Portland midfield that normally controls games and normally uh, squeezes the life out of opposing teams. And, uh, you know, just looking at the stats after the match, uh, you know, Will Johnson, Diego Valeria, and Diego Charo, when they're on their game, they can be one of the best midfields in the league. Today was not one of their days. And I know Will Johnson had that free kick. But when you talk about just the overall flow of play, they didn't have any control of the, uh, of the play in the middle. And Real Salt Lake, with their creative players, were able to go right through the middle, really pick them apart, really have them chasing the ball in a way that Seattle simply couldn't. Uh, at least because, you know, at least the Seattle team that didn't use Mauro Rosales, uh, which when you, in hindsight, it's kind of a bit of a head scratcher when, when you watch Real Salt Lake and the success they, they have with their creative guys. And you have to ask yourself, why in the world did Seattle not use Mar Rosales more? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that was the key. And then once you have that, once you can keep them on their toes with your midfield do- dominating play, 
then you can set your speedsters off. And, and I think they really exposed Footy Danzo, who didn't have the greatest game against Seattle either in the second leg. And, and he's looking like he looks like he's faltering a bit. And uh, that's going to be a big question for Caleb Porter. Does he keep? Does he stick with Footy Danzo? Does he go with Andrew Jean Baptiste, who was a starter for much of the season, but uh, was also in the lineup for two uh, two pretty bad defensive displays against RSL? So it's not like he's necessarily going to be the the fix. Uh, but having said that, I think Portland's going to do well. I think they're going to go home. They're going to come out firing. They're a different team. And, hey, Salt Lake's a different team on the road as well. Salt Lake, when they went to L.A., they got dominated. And and if not for Robbie Keane's pretty bad finishing in that first leg, Salt Lake would be would be the one that's home now. But uh, Robbie Keane didn't finish his chances, and, and that opened the door, and Salt Lake took full advantage. That's true. Uh, I think I saw a stat before the game that Footy Danzo is undefeated when he starts for Portland Timbers. And, and of course, then, they show that stat, and of course, Portland loses that game. Uh, but like you just said, though, the next game, Ivis, is going to be on November 24th, a little bit of a break, going to be in Portland. I mean, what can Portland do against Real Salt Lake? And also, the thing with Real Salt Lake, Ivis, they're getting a lot of performances from, from guys who weren't stars for their team. You know, like I said before, Chris Schuler. I mean, his the offensive side to his game, where did that come from? Sebastian Valeska is much more aggressive in the final third. I mean, what can Portland do to cool these guys down at home? Well, I don't. I don't think it's a question of you going to expect Shula to score every game. I mean, the fact is he's playing really well. I don't think it's a surprise uh, to anyone who's followed him, followed his career. I mean, I know for me, uh, I rated him pretty highly coming out of college, and uh, you know, it, it, it was always a matter of time before he could break through. And and when they and when RSL traded Hamison Olave, that was really his opportunity. Uh, and actually, I think if you go back to our Western Conference preview, I'm pretty sure I talked up Chris Schuler. You did uh, as a key key to the key to the season. And of course, he had this setback uh, with the with, with the injury that you know cost him the first half of the season. But now we're seeing the player that that can really dominate in, in central defense and also dominate as a threat on attack on set pieces. So that he's been a great find. Velasquez with his energy has been key as well. Uh, it's just all come together. And Sandoval, I got to say, yeah. I mean, he's a, here's a guy who, you know, there was coming out of college, I wasn't sold on him just because he seemed like he was a little, a little predictable, a little slow, but he's very intelligent, great touch, and he holds the ball well. And the RSL coaches couldn't couldn't stop raving about him uh, coming out of college. They they actually give them a little credit. They he had trained he he trained with them. Uh, a bit, so they knew about him before they drafted him. So, so that was one of those kind of, uh, you know, that's good work by the by the the scouts over at Salt Lake, and uh, that that's why they keep reloading. That's why they, when you think about the guys that they lost, Olave, Will Johnson, Spindola, and and to still have as deep a team as they have. I mean, you got to tip your hat to them. Yeah, you had a guy like uh, Johnny Steele coming off the bench too. I mean, high energy. It's uh, it's pretty impressive what Real Salt Lake has been able to do. But then again, I mean, you even predicted this earlier this year that Real Salt Lake wouldn't take a dive when most people did predict that they wouldn't be as good this year. So, some people did that. I personally did not do that. I had them. I said this would not be a rebuilding year. They they were reloading, and and we've seen it. And and it's you know Ned Grabovoy stepping his game up. I mean, he, you know, he's been a good player through the years, but this year. Probably a career year for him, regular season wise. Mm-hmm. Schuler stepping up, even like a guy like Carlos Salcido stepping in as a teenage center back. They, they almost Garcia, Jao Plata. You can go on and on. Uh, it's all going to come down to the second leg, though. And Portland is going to put the pressure on. Uh, you know, Gerald Wynn is a tough place to play. And give Salt Lake credit; they've they've gone there and they've gotten some results. But remember, the last time they were there, the only thing that kept them from being 
you know, blown away was Nick Romando putting on the Superman cape and, and having a great game. So they're, they're going to put their, they're going to put the chances together. They're going to find the net, I think. But the question is, can they keep Rialso Lake off the board? It's going to be difficult. The game in the Eastern Conference, a little bit of a snooze fest on Saturday, Ivis. Sporting Kansas City, Houston Dynamo playing to a scoreless draw. Uh, there was one moment that was called back. Kofi Sarkodie, uh had a goal, but it was taken back because it looked offside. Replay, if you look at it closely, it's still very close to call. Uh, but I think we'll see some goals in the second leg in this one. You know, I think some guys were tired in this one, Ivis, and uh, and hopefully we'll see. Hopefully we'll see some goals in the second. Well, we should. This should be a winner. But uh, hopefully we'll see uh, much better play from both of these teams. The less said about the first leg in Houston, the better. <laughs> that was awful. It was just. It was just awful. It really was. And uh, you know, say what you want. I, I mean, I think it was a good offside call. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to look at that call and say, oh, you know tragic mistake or anything like that it, it was it, it was a close call but it is a fair call um but yeah you know it, it's interesting you know you think that you know sporting casey going back home it, it's zero zero they have the advantage but then obviously last year that was the case and, and it was and then they didn't have the advantage houston uh houston has done it before against them uh going to houston uh going to casey and getting the win i don't know about this time around though i think houston is i think they're wearing down I think they're feeling the the grind uh, of the run that they've been on. Obviously, the two weeks are going to help them uh, get refreshed. I, I don't think there's a word yet on Ricardo Clark and his knee injury. That's a big one for them because if he can't play, I don't. I really don't see them winning in Kansas City. I think Kansas City uh, is playing really well. I think defensively they're gonna they're gonna frustrate Houston. They're a different team now. You know, I think if anything, maybe the losses to Houston help transform KC a bit because. In past years, they were more of an attack-minded team, a flashier team. This year, they're a bit of a grittier team. They're a better defensive team, I think, for just in terms of team defense, not allowing many chances, not allowing many shots on goal through the year. And I think that's the kind of game we're going to see. We're going to see a, another close game, but there will there'll be more chances, and I think Casey's going to pull it out. All right, well, I you said it pretty well before. The less said about this game, the better. We'll talk about it more. We'll preview it as that game gets closer. Uh, in a few shows from now. Because we didn't have a show this past week, we didn't get to address the funerals for the teams that were knocked out in the semifinals, including your New York Red Bulls, Ivis. So, uh, you know, no uh, no party in New York this year, man. Well, I think we do need to address the uh, the, the, the ends of the season for the four teams that were eliminated in the semifinals. Um, I'm sure people want to uh, discuss the what went wrong, what went right, that kind of thing. We can't start with the Red Bulls. It was definitely a heartbreaker for, for for Red Bulls fans who thought this was the year, and thought all the heck, all the jinxes would be broken all in one fell swoop. But mm-hmm. I tell you what, I said it in the first leg. After that first leg, that Hamas and Olave red card could end up costing them the entire series, and it really did. You know, the, it, it gave Houston momentum, gave them confidence. They got that goal to tie it up in the first leg, and 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 it really put the pressure on the Red Bulls and. Uh, the Red Bulls did have their chances in that game, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, they just they didn't put the chances home. They mm-hmm. they couldn't beat Tally Hall. Tally Hall overcame a big blunder and had some amazing saves to keep them off the board. And you know what? I think the difference in that game it wasn't really a luck issue. I, you can say it was luck, but I really think it's just a case of one team has the experience of winning as a group together. And the other team didn't, you know, not that the Red Bulls are a young team like New England is, but they're a team that hasn't been through the battles together as a group 
it's a team that had a lot of changes. Uh, you know, obviously a new coach and, and, and a lot of new faces on the team. And I think they had to go through that battle uh, and go and have that experience. And I think they'll be better for it next year. Uh, but it's a great first season for Mike Pecky. He exceeded all expectations. And now they move into the offseason and they, 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 have, they, have, they have to work out for them. They have, they have to revamp that roster. Uh, they have to make some tweaks. And you want to see what the Red Bulls do in terms of DP, uh, you know, how they go hit the international market and, and, and where they upgrade. Because, you know, you figure they've got the resources, right? And now they've got a coach who seems to know what he's doing. So let's, let's see what they do this offseason. You know, this kind of sounds almost like you're talking about the New England Revolution. I mean, exceeded expectations this year. Lots of good things going for them. They get knocked out by Sporting Kansas City, but I mean, they really gave it to them in the in, in the two legs here. And I mean, late goal by Mbongo really puts Sporting Kansas City on their heels. They get uh, Cody Beeler gets the the winning goal in overtime. But for New England, a uh, very impressive season and a very impressive showing in the playoffs. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you have to if you're a Reds fan, you have to feel pretty good about the year they had, and, and they, they definitely exceeded expectations. Uh, they're a fun team to watch, too. That's the thing, right? I mean, through the years, New England hasn't always played the most attractive soccer, uh, but I'd argue that this might be the most fun team to watch that they've had. I mean, even when they were in their heyday of getting to the MLS Cup final, you know, they, they, they weren't necessarily a team that played the beautiful game, so to speak. I mean, they, they, they played good soccer. They created chances. They scored goals. Taylor Twelman, Clint Dempsey. Steve Ralston, Pat Noonan, you know, in that, and Shelby Joseph in his prime, they had a really good team, but I don't think they were a team that people were like, oh, this is, they play at some of the most beautiful soccer in the league. I don't think that's ever was the case. Mm-hmm. This, this New England team, with their, with their attacking, their, their, their dynamic group of, of, of creative players that they have, they're a fun team to watch, and they have a nice nucleus uh, when you talk about uh, Fagundes, Kellen Rowe, Lee Wynn. They got a nice group there. The question for them is they've got to go get uh, target forward. Juan Agadello is off to Stoke City. Uh, Jerry Bankston is, uh, you know, going to get a one-way ticket somewhere. Uh, anybody who will take him. Uh, Sire Sen, you know, he can't really stay healthy. He obviously got injured again uh, late, late, late uh, in the playoffs. That was a tough blow for them. Uh, and who knows if he was going to stick around. So the, the pressure's on them. And, and you want to see who they go get. Uh, maybe Charlie, maybe Charlie <coughs> Davies is the guy. I mean, I still don't get what the deal was with that, you know, you go sign Charlie Davies and then you don't play him. Uh, and, and I, I mean, from what I heard, he looked good in training and he's someone who showed some qualities in practice and he just didn't get the minutes. So I, I don't know what they're doing there. They, they need to go get a forward mm-hmm. because they, the guys, they don't have, the guys they have aren't enough. They need to, you know, Juan Agudelo was big for that. He was a big key. Yep. To the run that they had, and without him, it's going to be a lot tougher to, to replicate that. And he's also been playing as an outside mid too, so you get to fill his position, target forward. Yeah, New England has some stuff, but the nucleus there that they have, you know, Kellen Rowe, Fagundes, Lee Win, you the know, defense. Yeah, I mean, Gonzalves. Yeah, the, the upgrades that they that they had. I mean, I, I mean, obviously Gonzalez that was huge. Uh, Andrew Farrell comes in and as a rookie and, and locks down the right back spot. Although I would say this, I really think, and I know some people would disagree. I really think you got to go. You got to take Andrew Farrell and put him in mid. Either put him in the midfield, really. Put him in, put him in the midfield as a defensive midfielder, mm. or put him at center back. Because if there was a flaw in that team this year, especially toward the end, they didn't have, they didn't have like that tenacious defensive midfielder who could really, you know, be a ball winner and be a pest and, and close opponent opposing playmakers down. You know, they didn't have that. I mean, Andy Dorman is not a defensive midfielder. Scott Caldwell. 
he is is he a is he gonna is he a guy who's gonna be a defensive midfielder on a playoff team? I don't know if that's I don't know if he's that guy. Andrew Farrell, I think I think that that might be a better position for him. And if he makes that move, it'll be uh, it'll be a little similar to Perry Kitchen for for those who remember Perry Kitchen as a rookie uh, started at right back and then he made the transition to defensive midfield. So that's something to keep an eye out for. But uh, you know I like the pieces they have there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they've got a, a bright future, but, and you have to build on that. You have to have a good draft uh, and you have to go and, and make some more for, good foreign signings, which, you know, through the years, they haven't always been good at, but obviously the Gonsalves, I mean, newcomer of the year from, or not, or a finalist for newcomer of the year, probably defender of the year, big signing for them. Amazing what a year does for New England Revolution. Much less question marks next year than they had going into this season. Moving over to the Western Conference, Ivis, Seattle Sounders, a little bit of a tall task for them to go to gel to win and defeat the Portland Timbers. They weren't able to, but they did show some life uh, near the end of the season. But, you know, they, they not enough to defeat the Portland Timbers, though. Seattle, Seattle, man, they're, they're a bit of a train wreck. I mean, if you think about it, with all the talent they have on that team, uh, it, it was just, it still felt like a disjointed group, you know. Clint Dempsey obviously struggled uh, coming in in midseason, and I think I, I've said it from day one. I think next year really we'll really see the real Clint Dempsey. I think he'll be a dominant player in the league. Uh, but there's still so many other question marks, you know. Who do you keep? Who do you get rid of? I think Mario Rosales is someone who's at the door. Siggy Schmidt could be out the door. I think the the sense right now, if you ask me to bet one way or the other, I would bet that he's gone. I, I think he's gone. I think you know he's had his his years in now. And, and that's not to say the guy's not a good coach. I think for me, if Seattle fires him, I think he should get a job somewhere else in MLS because I think, you know, when it comes down to it, I just don't think there's 19 better coaches than him uh, in the, you know, American soccer scene. I think he's someone who should absolutely have a job, but Seattle, it, it, there's a feeling there that maybe the it's run its course and it's time for a change there. So there's a lot, lot, <clears throat> a lot of stuff going on there. Eddie Johnson, uh, what's going on with his contract? You know, do you give him the raise? Lamar Nagel, you got to give him a raise. Oh, with Amy Martins, do you do you cut ties with him? Sat Shari Joseph and the big money he's on. I don't know how they're going to do it. Honestly, I mean, they they got so much money tied up for next year. Uh, I don't know if they got a magic wand or a magic ticket that gets them to erase all of that. So I tell you what, it's going to be a very busy off season for Adrian Hanau, the GM. Uh, moving down, LA Galaxy series just. Really, just never went their way, Ivis. It just seemed like they could never catch a break against Real Salt Lake. They let it get away, man. It was right. It was there for the taking. I was, I was in LA for that first leg, and they had the chances. They had, mo- they, they had Real Salt Lake on their heels. They, they, they. That game could have been three nil, four nil, and they just didn't put the chances away. And, and, and you know, as much as the the vibe in the locker room after that game was a confident one. Um, you still had to feel like they let, they let them off the hook. And at the end of the day, that's exactly what happened. The the, the only thing, the main thing you got to look at with this season for LA is the Mike McGee trade, Mike McGee for Robbie Rogers. And I don't know if we'll ever get a straight answer on just what exactly went down. Was it as simple as Mike McGee wanting to go home? Or was it a case of, you know, some pressure coming from who knows where to make Robbie, to make LA trade McGee, for Robbie Rogers, you know that, that's the conspiracy theory that that's making the rounds. That Bruce Arena was pretty much told he had to trade McGee for for Robbie Rogers. I don't know if I buy that because I don't know if, I don't know if Bruce Arena could keep his his mouth shut if, if that happened. You know what I mean? Like I think we would have seen more hints of that if it happened. So whatever happened, the fact is that trade was awful 
for LA because it cost them, uh, it cost them their arguably their their third best player and their team that you know you need you need three studs in your attack to 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 be a dominant team and they just didn't have that third that third musketeer so to speak the, the, that could really help Keenan Donovan. I mean, I know Jossie Zardes came into his own. He got better as the year went on, but he wasn't that guy. And Robbie Rogers obviously wasn't that guy. He had the injuries. He never really found his form. So that was obviously a disaster straight for them. I miss teams in the MLS playoffs. I don't think only ones making news. There are some teams that did not make the playoffs that have made some news looking for new managers. Chicago Fire just missing out on the playoffs. They have hired Frank Yallop as their new Manager, what do you make of this move? A guy who's going to take over a team that you know does have a lot of question marks, and uh, they did make a fabulous run, but you know they're going to need a lot more out of certain guys because I don't think Mike McGee's going to be able to do that in back-to-back seasons. Well, here's my thing, right? I mean, number one, I personally didn't think Frank Yal- Frank Klopas did that bad a job considering what he had to work with. Uh, I, I think I don't think enough people realize the fact that you know he had. Uh, you know, his, uh, the front office aspect of things, the player personnel aspect of things w- w- were pretty much taken away from him a year ago. So he pretty much just was re- confined to coaching and, and, and working with the talent that, that, that was at his disposal. And, and the fact is this year they did not, you know, they, they didn't do enough to, to bolster the team uh, go, uh, going into the year. I mean, they made a couple of deals, you know, they got Dilly Duca and, and, and Joel Impair and Jeff Laurentovitz and, uh, Laurentowitz and and those guys, it's, it seemed like those were some decent additions, but it, it still wasn't enough for what they needed. I mean, when you talk about where the upgrades that they needed, it, it just wasn't enough, and it cost them. It put them in a big hole at the beginning of the year. Then they get this Christmas gift of Mike McGee in their lap. They get they get Baki Samari, and all of a sudden everything turns around, and 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 then they get they finally get some other players, you know, in the second half of the season. Arevalo Rios, Anangano, you know, guys who, who showed some qualities, but it just wasn't enough. You know, they put themselves in too much of a hole. And I know they had some bad results at the end of the year, but it, it can't, you can't just look at those results. You can't just look at the, the ugly loss to the Red Bulls and, and say, oh, you know, that it was an awful season. You, you got to necessarily fire Frank, Frank uh, Klopas. I, I personally wouldn't have fired him, but, you know, obviously in Chicago, the, Andrew Houtman is uh, an owner who's known to be. Uh, aggressive and and some might say overbearing and and he made his decision and the fact that he hired Frank Yallop so quickly tells you you know he was planning this this was in the works um and look Yallop has has a decent resume he's actually you know he's won titles in the league so you know he he's had some success he won he just won the supporter shield a year ago so um is he ready to run a team on his own though that that's a, that's that's going to be the tricky one you know uh, is he going to put that kind of work in that it's going to take to build that, build a team and, and, and handle basically two jobs? It's, it's uncharted territory for him. So uh, it, it, could, it could end up being a pretty big fail. You know, it could, it could crash. It could blow up in his face. It could blow up in Chicago's face. Uh, that's going to be the question. That's going to be the question. Can he handle uh, both, both roles, which he's never had before? So that for me, I'm skeptical. I think it's going to be tough. I, I, I think he's going to have a tough job there, and I don't think personally, I don't think it's going to work out. A team that's in the same boat as the Chicago Fire, Columbus Crew, uh, Brian Bliss, interim manager, did a very good job at the end. Of, well, he he did a much better job at the end of the season uh, than the previous manager. Columbus looked like they might have made the playoffs, but they ran out of steam. 
Uh, they hire former U.S. men's national team defender Greg Berhalter. What do you make of this move? I know that it, it, what I, this is what I find interesting. From what I understand, the crew made this decision well before it was announced. So you ask yourself, why did it take so long for them to actually announce it? And then they make the announcement, and, and, and we get hit with a wave, and I mean a wave of positive spin coming from the crew. Now, look, I get it. Most teams, when they announce a new coach, they're obviously going to talk up their coach. They're going to talk up the hire. But the crew took it to another level, man. They took they put out stories left and right, uh, quotes from everyone under the sun about why this is such a great hire. And here's my thing. I know, I've know i known Greg Berhalter a long time. He's a Jersey guy, really good guy. Uh, but we're talking about a guy whose first coaching job, his first head coaching job, was in the Swedish second division, and he didn't get the job done. His job was to get Hammerby to promotion to get them to the first division. They're one of the bigger clubs in Sweden. It was it, they got they got relegated. He was handed the keys with all the resources of a top team in Sweden and couldn't get them promoted. And then the second year they struggled again. So his first job a failure. You can't call it anything else. I know. He and there's all these stats and about possession and how everyone bunkered in, all these excuses for why Hammerby didn't get promoted. And but you know what? At the end of the day, he didn't get the job done, and the team actually did better when he left. So if you look at that, and then, then you ask yourself, how does this guy go from failing in a weaker league, in a smaller league, Swedish second division, and then get a job in MLS? That's the question. That's the big question. I. I, I I think I think you know the crew. I, I, they put the spin. The new owner, you know, he he fell in love with all with the presentation. And there's something to be said for being a good interview. But there's also something to be said for having an actual resume that justifies you getting a job. And that I don't see it. I personally don't see it. Maybe he'll prove me wrong. And I hope he does. I mean, I, I like I said. I mean, Greg Berhalter was the nicest guy in American soccer. Like I can say that without a doubt. Great guy. Great guy. But just. Look, when you look at the resume, you look at the, what the actual performance is as a head coach, he didn't get the job done. So how does he now get a better job? So that, that's for me. I mean, I, I tell you what, if I was a coach or if I was a, you know, a head coach, a prospective head coach, and there's a ton of them, uh, coaches who've had jobs in the league uh, who actually did well, but, but you know, for whatever reason, they can't get back in the league. I'd be, I'd be banging my head against the wall. Like, how does this guy get a job? So it's a bit of a head scratcher for me. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how, how that goes. Well, that's what I was thinking, Ivis. I mean, when you when you look at these two hires, especially the Columbus crew, I mean, they also brought in Brad Friedel. Uh, I mean, no, I, you wonder what how he would do. But but for the crew, though, I mean, who else could you see jumping in and, and possibly being a better hire? I guess I guess in, in your opinion. Well, I mean, there's a lot of guys that are out there. I mean, I th- you know, when you, when you want to talk about someone like, uh, well, I, the Guillermo Barros-Skeloto was, was, the, was the interesting thing. And I can't help but wonder if he was not their, t- their top choice. I know I know the Columbus owner said that, that Peralta was his favorite, his top guy. But Ber- the fact of the matter is Skeloto was, was still under contract. So maybe they couldn't get him out of his contract and then they had to move on. Brad Friedel, I mean, again, we're not, he has no experience. He's never been a coach. So I don't, I, don't, I don't know if that's a wise one either. But there's guys out there, someone like, uh, you know, for me, Dennis, I always mention him, Dennis Hamlet. We're talking about, about a guy who did well in Chicago, lost in penalty kicks to Real Salt Lake in the Eastern Conference Final, uh, had two solid years as head coach of the fire, can't get a job in the league. It's, it, and I think, I think it's pretty crazy. 
uh, or someone like Preki, who I know, you know, some people look at his time in, in Toronto and that kind of paints him in a not so positive light. But look at the stats on this guy. I mean, he he and Bob Bradley are the only coaches to have success at Chivas USA. And when you look at the track record of, of Toronto FC coaches, Preki's probably had the best record of all the coaches who've actually passed through there. So when you look at that, you ask yourself, well, what's it going to take for him to get another chance, you know? Uh, or Richie Williams. Richie Williams is someone who I, I've talked up in the past as a, as a possible candidate. Uh, and actually, I think it, he it's been reported he's interviewing for the or he has interviewed for the job in Vancouver. <coughs> so he's actually you know so he's clearly you know in the mix for for jobs. I think all those guys are, are for me. Uh, you know, just looking at the resumes, looking at what they've done. Richie Williams, an assistant, he was a successful assistant. Uh, or hey, I got another one for you. How about Robin Frazier? Robin Frazier, excellent job as assistant coach at the New York Red Bulls. Uh, we're talking about a guy who you know he was Jason Christ's right hand man when they won the MLS Cup. He was Mike Becky's right hand man when they won the Supporters Shield. I know the Chiefs USA thing didn't go well for him as a head coach. I don't know who would have done well in those circumstances that he was placed in. Mm-hmm. So those are just some of the names. So, I, I mean, for me, I don't know. I, it's it's interesting. We're, we're going to see. We're going to see. Maybe, maybe he will prove us all wrong. Maybe he'll, he will show that he had to have his learning curve in Sweden to kind of really, you know, get his chops. And now he and now Berhalter's ready to be a coaching star. You know what? I'm not saying that is impossible, but... I just, I just, I don't get how a guy gets a job in a better league after failing at a smaller league. Uh, I believe uh, Preki, you mentioned this, and I, and I looked it up. He's actually hired by Sacramento Republic FC, the new USL pro team that is starting in 2014. Yeah, uh, I think it's fair to say if an MLS job came about, <laughs> yeah. he would take the MLS job. Okay, I don't think that's, I don't think you got to worry about that one. No, but I, I'm just, you know, he. He's he's no, he'll have a job. He'll yeah. have a job. You know, I think all these guys have jobs. You know, I think Dennis Hamlet still works for the Montreal Impact somehow. Um, but you know what? It, 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 I don't know. I, I just think that here's my thing. Right? There's a, I think there's a lot of solid coaching candidates out there with some good with good MLS experience who are just getting frozen out because it's become the new thing now in MLS to find a guy with zero experience and make him your guy. Make him your star. I mean, it started with obviously, even before Jason Christ, uh, Peter Novak had no coaching experience. He won an MLS Cup, right? So he kind of showed it. And then Jason Christ had no experience, took over Salt Lake, and, and ended up becoming this, you know, one of the best coaches in the league. So I think that those guys blazed the trail. And now you see more and more teams willing to take that chance. And, uh, you know, it, it's basically left a, almost a generation of, of experienced coaches on the outside looking in. Yeah, and then you have guys like Ryan Nelson up in Toronto FC, no experience, and exactly. look, look, how, look, look how that went. Well, here's my thing. Yeah, exactly. Here's my thing. What other league in the world do you see this, right? I mean, Italy, England, uh, in, in, in big leagues around the world, experience counts for something, you know? Like, and you see, and you can argue, oh, it's recycling coaches, it's not improving the quality. And I'm like, you know what? They, like experience means something in the coaching ranks, right? It does, and, then, and I know some people will point to say Mike Pecky, right? And, and, and say, oh, look, he did well. He didn't have experience. A, Mike Pecky served as an assistant coach for a couple of years, right? Uh, before he became head coach. B, having Robin Frazier on his staff absolutely is a big deal. It's actually absolutely a big part of the success. 
some people will point to Caleb Porter and say, hey, look, Caleb Porter never had a pro coaching job before. He did, he's been amazing. Mm-hmm. And I'd argue the guy's been coaching for a dozen years. Yeah. He is not some guy. He's not some fresh off of a playing career guy. He put his time in. He put his time in at Indiana. He put his time in at Akron. Multiple years. It wasn't the pros, but he was coaching players, working on his on his coaching approach dozen years. So he is by no means a rookie. So that, that's my thing. Like, but now you got a lot. That's the new thing now. Let's let's find these inexperienced coaches so we can look like a genius if it actually works out. Mm-hmm. And it also works out that, you know, you probably have to pay these guys a little less than you would, you know, more experienced guys. That's also true. I mean, some other young guys, Ben Olsen, I think it's uh, inconclusive so far. But Jay Heaps has done a pretty good job in New England. So, Well, it, you know, here's my thing. And I know some people – it's funny how people now want to bring up Jay Heaps and say, oh, he's an example of a, of a young coach who's, who's – Made it. I'm like, okay, you know what? One good year. One good year does not mean. You Wait, can. people are saying he's made it. No, but as he's he's an example of a young coach who has succeeded. And I say, you know what? It takes more than one year, my friends. It takes more than one good year for you to be called a good coach in the league. I, I it's just fact. You got to have more than one year in, especially when you've had other awful years, which mm-hmm. Jay Heaps has had. So I think next year is going to be the make or break. Can he keep it rolling? Can he build on this year? Can he show that, you know, he can build something? That's what that's the proof will be in the pudding now. Because hey, you know what? Ben Olsen, people were talk people see, were I was just gonna ben say Olsen that. I was ago. just gonna say that I could see New England's offseason be like DC's offseason, possibly where if New England doesn't make any moves like DC, I could see just next season just them not like being as bad as DC almost. I don't know. I don't know if anyone's gonna ever be that. But, bad, but, but you know what I mean. Not not make the playoffs, but have a complete one eighty. But that's my point. Ben Olsen, a year ago, I mean, he was the man. He was coaching darling. He was like, oh, this is he's going to be the, the, the leader of the next generation of coaches around. And now this year, they absolutely crapped the bed. And I don't care what anyone says. I don't care what Ben Olsen says. I don't care what anyone else says. The notion that winning U.S. Open Cup can somehow negate the fact that you won three regular season games is ridiculous, okay? It comes down to the fact that, you know what? Your season was over months ago your season was over months before everyone else's you were able to play your first choice team Mm -hmm. in rounds of a tournament when other teams weren't doing that and rest players too exactly you know they 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 had an advantage in the fact that their season was such a disaster yeah that they were able to focus their energies energies on the u.s open cup and that's not to take anything away from the the win at the end because you know what in the final they still had to win in salt lake against a good salt lake team jason christ God bless him, guys. Great coach. I don't think he did a great job in that final, um, but that does not make it a good year. I don't like. No, I'm sorry. You're not getting away with that one. You're not getting. It was an awful year. I'm not going to say Ben Olsen should be fired. He won a cup, but someone's got to go. And I still am waiting to see whose whose head's going to roll after a, a historically bad year. The only the only moves that we've seen, they're for an off, they're, 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 their PR staff is let go. Cost-cutting measure, whatever it is, right? That's laughable. How does your GM have as bad a year as he had and still have his job? That, that for me, I don't, I don't get that one. All right, Ivis. Well, it's time to move on to the Americans abroad front. Big weekend for a couple guys. Brad Friedel gets a spot start for the Spurs. Uh, he allows a 13th-minute goal, which turns out to be the only goal in the game in a 1-0 loss to Newcastle. Uh, but still, nice to see him get a start, even though Hugo Loris was down with a with an injury. Well, we'll see how long that goes for, right? I mean, I know Loris had that really bad concussion 
that became the talk of the town after he actually went back in the game inexplicably. But, you know, it was a good week for goalkeepers in general, for American goalkeepers. You had Friedel getting a chance to play, and he you know, played well. He just happened to play against the goalkeeper who had the game of the year for goalkeepers. Tim Krull was unbelievable for Newcastle. Uh, but, hey, Tim Howard, Brad Guzan, two games, two starts, two shutouts. Both played well. Uh, so, yes, another good week for goalkeepers, American goalkeepers. Uh, Steve Trundolo, guy we've been talking about on the outside looking in for possible ticket to Brazil. It looks like he came back, a little bit of a setback, but some good news uh, that he was back on the bench for Hanover. And that's uh, big news for a guy that Ivis that we've talked about uh, could possibly go to Brazil if healthy. Well, last time was the last. I mean, the last time we talked about him, there was the, the idea that maybe he's done. Maybe he, mm-hmm. maybe now another injury setback, and this is probably going to be it for him. But he's still in the mix. He obviously overcame whatever it was that, that he was dealing with, and you still have to you still have to consider him. You still have to think he's he's someone that that's in that conversation. Uh, he still has to get back on the field and get playing, and you know, there's still time for that. So I, I think you know you can be patient. Uh, the one guy that when you when you look at the in the Bundesliga this weekend, John Brooks, uh, it's been a while now. It's been a while now since he's been back and he hasn't been able to get on the field. Uh, and uh, so I think that's an interesting one. That's that's one that bears watching um, because here's the thing, folks. He's a young guy. He's a young defender, and everything went right for him last year. Uh, Arthur Berlin had some injuries. He he really blossomed as a player, but now he's you know he he misses time. He's lost his spot. He hasn't gotten it back yet, so now he's going to have to deal with a little adversity. So for all the people who want to anoint him as the future of the center back position and say he's God's gift to the U.S. national team, you know, maybe now you can pump your brakes and realize that, no, he's not this unbelievable best, you know, future superstar, best in the world center back. He's a pretty good center back prospect, but he's young. He's learning. He's developing. Let's see him get his job back now. Also in Bundesliga news, uh, Everyone's new favorite U.S. men's national team potential forward, Julian Green, signed a contract with Bayern Munich. Uh, the 18-year-old had 15 goals in 17 games for the uh, Munich's uh, U23 team. So uh, good to see him signing with uh, Bayern Munich. Right. I know some people had some question marks about what exactly it means that he signed a contract. And what it boils down to is he just he's now officially a professional who has a binding contract with Bayern. Uh, before that, he just had the youth, uh, the youth deal. And he could still have gone anywhere else if he wanted to. And, and, and uh, you know, you, you can't sign a deal as a foreign player until, you know, until you turn 18. And I, I don't even know if he was bound by that because, I mean, he had lived in Germany for a while. So uh, that's an interesting one. But, no, look, folks, he's not anywhere close to playing for the first team. So let's not get into <laughs> any, any of that kind of talk. But <laughs> it's still a good first step. And, uh, you know, I know some people are really – really nervous about the whole Julian Green thing because he turned down the call up <sighs> and then he goes and you know goes with the U20s the German U20s take it easy folks there's still time there's no need to rush there's no need to panic he's not getting he's not going to get capped by Germany anytime soon so relax yeah it is i just yeah i think whatever happens happens and people need to realize that there's other younger forwards at his age who may also come up and become good players speaking of guys who are kicking butt Aaron Johansson, Ivis, with a brace and assist this past weekend. And, of course, Ivis, with all these performances, he needs to move on to a bigger club, right? Shut up. <laughs> Look, he's playing well. Good year. Let's see what happens after the World Cup. He's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere this winter. If you want him to go somewhere, go buy him on FIFA 14. 
you could have them all day. Didn't you buy him for your timbers? Nah, <laughs> no, actually, we had Terrence Boyd, and then, ah, that's right. And I got fired because I kept yelling at the uh, at the <laughs> Apparently, I had I had my uh, I had my connect on without realizing it. So any noise that I'd make in the room was was apparently me yelling at the at the ref. So I got fired. God, things things you say to FIFA 14, I could only imagine what they'd be like. It wasn't even that bad. It, who knows? It was just any random ambient noise in my room. But anyway, uh, we digress. Uh, <laughs> what were you talking about? Uh, you were talking about how great Aaron Johansson is. He's doing well, man. He's killing it. And it's funny, you know, he had a great game, but then they didn't win, and they actually fell out of first place. Uh, you know, a tough game for them against Feyenoord. But hey, you know, he scores two goals against a tough opponent. That, that's that's positive for him. He's killing it. He's he's a you know top three scorer in, in the in the Dutch league, and that's you know he's doing well. He's he's, he's developing. He's still young, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him here in uh, in the friendlies. You want you want to think yes. that he's going to be a big part of these upcoming games? Yeah, roster comes out. Well, the roster should come out on Monday. Ivis. Uh, I mean, Jurgen said he wants to call in the best possible lineup. Do you, as far as you know, the, the the main guys, you know, Michael Bradley, Jermaine Jones. Uh, do you think we'll see any surprise names at all? Um, I, you know, that's an interesting one. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, obviously they're you know Eric Lehigh. Is he going to finally get a call? <laughs> I, you know, I think that'd be an interesting one. Tim Ream, someone Ooh. who's playing regularly at Bolton. He's someone I think maybe could get a look. Uh, you know, obviously you have the, uh, you know, you have uh, Matt Beesler is, is still involved with the playoffs, so he's not going to get the call. Um, so there's there's that room there for center back. So so we'll see. You know, I, I think we will see a few uh, surprising names. You know, I know there's reports that Landon Donovan will not be a part of that, you know, friendly. And I don't think anyone needs to go too crazy talking about that. I, I think it's, you know, whatever. You know, he's you know, he had a pretty intense month, uh, you know, couple of months from Gold Cup on. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think anyone should get too crazy about that. If, in fact, he is not called in, I think him and Dempsey, give him a break, you know. The, you, you can see them next spring. Well, Ivis, this past week, man, you were in Atlanta checking out the Soccer Bowl, Atlanta Silverbacks taking on the New York Cosmos. The Cosmos win their first title in about three decades. How was that, man? I got to say, it was a great scene down there. And, uh, you know, it, look, it, it was – there were only 7,000 – fans there because it's a small venue but it was a great crowd great atmosphere uh first of all i'd never been to atlanta and i had a, had a great time there it's a great city and, and there's there's a vibe there you know like you, you, there, it, it's a soccer town it's a good soccer town there's potential there i think they should absolutely get an mls team uh, i think i've said it before that you know when you, when you want to talk about cities in terms of sbi traffic in the country, Atlanta has always been one of the biggest cities uh, for traffic uh, among the non-MLS cities. And, and you know, just seeing the crowd for this final, it was a lively crowd, a good crowd. They enjoyed the game. Uh, and I tell you, Atlanta, I think Atlanta's going to get an MLS team. I, 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 that's the sense I get. And I, I think it's going to, I think it could do well. I think it could definitely do well. As far as the soccer bowl itself, good game. The Cosmos, they capped their, their, their first season uh, with a with a championship, you know, well earned. You know, they're they've been the, they're the best team in the, in the NSL. I know some people have an issue with the fact that they only played half the season, but yet they end up the champion. You know what? I you know I kind I get it, right? I, I understand it, but at the same time, you know what? They couldn't start sooner, and the, you know, NSL set up this format. They still had to win the fall championship. They did win the fall championship. And then they won in Atlanta. They beat Atlanta in Atlanta. What more do you want, folks? 
like stop complaining they they did it you know they won the title get over it right and and now we're gonna see what they do what they build what go where they go from there and, and the sense i get after that game is that they, they got some big plans they're gonna make some big signings and they're gonna really try to go after uh go after some teams next year and, and maybe try to make a run in the U, in the u.s open cup so that's gonna be uh that's gonna be a fun one to watch yeah see, see how the cosmos continue to develop man dude i'm Thinking about the Cosmos making a run in the U.S. Open Cup, oh, dude, that that would be that'd be exciting, man. That'd be awesome. Well, here's the thing, right? When when you think about it, NASL teams in general have done well against MLS teams because, again, it boils down to the fact that <clears throat> MLS teams uh, more often than not put reserve teams out in the Open Cup. And MLS reserve players, MLS reserve teams are pretty much comparable to NASL teams, or actually probably a little below NASL teams because NASL teams. Those guys play. They play regularly. MLS guys aren't necessarily playing much. So now you take a Cosmos team who is stacked. They've got a bunch. They've got some quality talent on that team. Uh, and, they, and yeah, listen, folks. If you, you, I know there's a lot of people who don't follow the Cosmos and, and don't know anything about them. They're more than just Marco Senna. They've got easily a half dozen guys who could be playing in MLS right now. Could be starting in MLS. They're going to have even more next year. So. Uh, it's going to bear watching how, how they build that team uh, next year and how they do in the Open Cup. Like they can, I, I tell you what, just look for it for next year. Cosmos making a deep run in the Open Cup. Hey, where does uh, where does Phoenix rank in traffic for the site? Uh, pretty low, pretty low because oh, you know, they already have AZ kicks it. So, <laughs> oh, dude, <laughs> that's pretty good, Ivis. That's very good. Well, Ivis, that wraps up the show, man. Uh, anything else we uh, we failed to talk about, man? Nah, I think that's it, man. Yeah, I think we got. I think we got everything. I think it's a good first show back. We we're gonna have to crank <laughs> out shows. Like I think we have to do four shows a week to kind of get back on pace. If we're gonna have a, if we're gonna get to the hundredth show for uh, for the MLS Cup final, I think we're, I don't think we can miss any more shows. So we might have to we might have to put a few mini shows in the bank to to, to get ahead of the pace. Well, I, I think we'll be fine. I mean, unless you happen to travel to Europe for the US men's national team games, I mean, you should be staying at home, I should be staying at home so we'll be able to get back to our uh, three shows a week routine. Uh, I will be home for the most part for the next two weeks. Uh, I will be hitting the road again in two weeks. I'll be off to Kansas City for the second leg of the, the Eastern Conference final and then uh, the day after that I will be off to Portland. For the second leg for RSL and the Timbers, and uh, we'll see if your boys Real Salt Lake <laughs> can get the job done. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're also going to be a, uh, a bar party scouting too. That's also part of your uh, job details. I think I've already done that. I mean, I, you know what? If, if if it happens where Real Salt Lake is hosting the final, mm-hmm. I, I will I will call on your expertise <laughs> of, of, of your favorite city. Uh, outside of, of Arizona, and uh, I'm sure you'll come up with a good place. I, first off, I've been to Salt Lake once, and I it, loved it. You loved it. No, <laughs> it was a good time. Um, no, I do. First off, outside Phoenix, I would say San Diego's my favorite city. That's fair. San Diego's awesome, man. If anyone's San Diego's great, it's a good city. You, it's you for you. It's Portland. We already know that. Oh, Portland's pretty nice, but nah, I wouldn't say that. I love. <laughs> Look, LA, I like man. you downplay but, it. I love LA. I love LA, man. I, I, I you know what? I, I was what one and a half days was not enough, or two days, however long I was there, was not enough. And I guess I'm gonna have to wait till next year to go now. Uh, now that the Galaxy are out, 
but no, no. Portland's Portland's in the top five. Uh, you know, L.A., Portland, Kansas City. Those are all cool cities. I love, hey, I love hanging out in Philly, although that's kind of close. So I don't know if that even counts since it's almost not like traveling. Um, there's a lot of good cities, man. There's so many. See, the problem is you've never lived in L.A. If you live in L.A., you you just... I disagree, <sighs> man. I, I disagree. I, I, you I know don't what? know, I, man. I know a lot of people who've moved to L.A. and just love it. There's a reason. There's a reason these people like go there and never want to go go anywhere else, man. I'm telling you, man. I could, dude. I I couldn't do the traffic. There's there was like traffic twenty four seven. Well, you got to know how to work around it or, or or set your life up so that you don't. You're it, not dude, it, with no. It, it, people in LA, shit. people in LA will know what I'm saying. The four hundred five sucks. People in 91 LA sucks. The five sucks. No, the thing you is, you don't know how to drive in LA. Period. Please, I please, I lived out I'll there. Tell you what, I've been to LA. I would say this. I've been to LA probably 20 times. Right? Mm-hmm. How many times have been in Disneyland though? That's that's the real question. Zero. I've never oh, actually been disappointing. There. So here's the thing. I've been here 20 times. I know where around LA. You know, I hard. I, and I'm gonna jinx myself probably. I I hardly ever ever get stuck in traffic. You just gotta know your way around. You know, you're you're you probably not a good driver, so you know. no, that's not. I drive like it's the Indy 500. Does, yeah, but you know what? All just the time, pushing the gas pedal does not make you a good driver. Being able to read the traffic, maneuver, know the area, you know, that's how you. That's, Pe- that people will, that's in LA I'm who are listening to the show, please back me up in the comments on this one. Ivis is. I was just talking crazy just, right you now. You just can't drive. You just can't drive. <laughs> no, that, that, that is not the case. I was, uh, that wraps up the show, man. You uh, you have a good night, and I will uh, talk to you later this week. And uh, as course, uh, but as of course, with the international games coming up, we want to let everyone know. Ivis and I will be talking U.S. Men's National Team uh, for the next upcoming show. So, Ivis, I will talk to you later this week, man. Tuesday, we will have a show Tuesday for Wednesday. Yes, and we'll drive it on Wednesday, and then we'll have a show Friday. And that's that. We'll, we'll, no, we'll, we'll do the show on Thursday, drop it. So we'll drop a show on Wednesday, drop a show on Friday. Yes, that's the plan. And then maybe uh, and then maybe try to crank out four for the week after. We'll see. Maybe. Or maybe we could preview the Garrett Cleverly experience. That could be on Saturday if you want. What is that? It's a new show that I'm working on. It's great. Is it about you? Oh, yeah. It's all about me and just like my day. I was thinking, you know, we could add it if we need like filler it's pretty shows. Short show. it's pretty short show. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> playing FIFA as Real Salt Lake. That is not true. I don't uh, do that. Taking selfies. What, what else do you do? Oh, damn you! On, online dating. What else? What else? <laughs> I mean, how busy? How busy is your day? It's it's uh it's pretty busy, Ivis. You know, you know, you know, you know how it is. Uh, before I make myself look like more like an idiot, Ivis, I'll talk to you later this week, man. All right, man. I'll see if I can get better and get rid of this cold. Yeah. Or whatever. Yes. Uh, And as always, everyone, thank you for uh, being patient with us. Like I said, we'll be back three times this week. This is the SBI Show.